conference finals are in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is, it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes every day in the NBA and NHL playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pool to Play page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network for Wednesday, June 16th. Ian Cameron, and we have Alex B. Smith back with us after a couple of days. Good to have Alex back. We're ready to uh, look at Game 2 tonight between the Montreal Canadiens and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, We'll preview that side total, maybe some player props as well. Uh, We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, though, we'll look back at last night and a hell of a fun hockey game, to be honest, with the Islanders and Lightning. It was a rough, physical, nasty first period. Uh, of action. You had scrums, you had goalies getting run in the case of uh, Semyon Varlamov, uh, although it was his own man that pushed the uh, Tampa player into him, and then he gets injured, comes back in the second period. So give Varlamov credit, gets shaken up in that game, but is able to return and finish the game for the uh, New York Islanders. Unfortunately, uh, he was not able to lead his Islanders team to a victory as the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning get the uh, game two victory, four to two. Kind of disappointing for me because I had Tampa first period last night more than anything else and I laid the half goal at a plus price and uh, Islanders get the power play goal to tie it up and the period finishes 1-1 but I did have a very very big bet on the over it was one of my bigger side or total bets in this entire Stanley Cup playoffs so far and it was very good to see the over cash in uh, 4-2 to two. it was a great spot I think for an over because the total dropped from five and a half in game one down to five last night. You figured with Tampa Bay looking to bounce back, they would be putting more pucks at the net. That's exactly what they did. They definitely practiced what they preached because they were more aggressive offensively. They won a lot more puck battles. Their body and stick position, and they mentioned this on the broadcast last night, it was a lot better than it was in game one, and it really gave the Lightning a better chance to have the ball more or have the puck more, I should say, uh, and be able to do a lot more with it in the offensive zone. So it was a much better performance all around from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Vasilevsky was incredible at times last night, though, still made a couple of really big saves. Um, Tampa Bay did what they had to do. Tampa Bay kind of did what I expected them to do, and that was tie the series 1-1, avoid going down 0-2. But still, this is going to be a long series. This is going to be a tough series. This is, in my opinion, Alex, still a series that's very much up for grabs. I don't think either team is going to run away with this thing. And now the Islanders got to show that they can win in Nassau Coliseum, which has been one of the most electrifying environments in terms of home ice edge for any team in the playoffs. I mean, they're right there with Vegas in terms of having an extremely strong home ice advantage, the way that crowd has been, you know, for these Islanders home games. You got New York Jet football players, you know, cracking beer cans off their skulls uh, during these games. Zach Wilson there. I mean, the whole bunch of them crowd going nuts with various chants. I know we'll be on the air for the BetCast Thursday night. Make sure you join us for that uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time uh, for Game 3 between the Islanders and Lightning at Nassau. And I know we'll be hearing our share of chants. The Islander fans love doing the, ah, 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 for all the home games there 
Uh, you'll be hearing a bunch of that tomorrow night, so it'll be a raucous atmosphere there, no doubt. But if you're the Islanders, you did what you wanted. Split in Tampa Bay and now take it back home for Game 3 at Nassau Coliseum tomorrow night. Alex, uh, what did you think of last night's game? Yeah, like I said, the, the important part for them was to split uh, you know, in Tampa. And like I said, I get to go home to uh, what's been a raucous environment with Nassau Coliseum, obviously, as you know, they continue to advance, and you know, you never know what which game is going to be the the final uh, series. You know, in this building, but they're making a, a hell of a of a run to close that building out right now. And uh, like I said they you know played well, but Tampa, you know, of course, like I said when they turn their offense on, start getting pucks to the net, uh, and start getting traffic as well. I mean, like I said, even though it was an Islander player that that pushed Varlamov, there was a lot of traffic in front of his crease. Uh, all of that first uh, period, and so that's the thing that you know we see we've seen that in both series now uh, these last couple of games where you know traffic in front of these goalies, some great goalies right now. We're talking about we're talking about you know uh, at least four of the the best goalies in, in the league uh, in these respective series. The way you have to defeat them is to get them off their game, get you know bump them around a little bit, get some traffic in front, screen them, uh, and, and then find ways to score from there. So uh, that's going to be the key for for all four teams moving along. Uh, in this, this semifinal series. But, you know, Tampa, I thought Tampa was going to put the pressure on. I thought they were actually had a, a great chance to get a second goal in that first period, which I was like you. I had that uh, first period puck line with the bolts and didn't cash with that, unfortunately. Uh, but like I said, that's the kind of the theme, too. You have to try to, you know, get a step early because you know things are going to open up more late, uh, especially if you're Tampa Bay. You have, you know, like I said, the, the offense, especially now that we're seeing this being a chippy series, you know, Tampa Bay's got to be careful. Look what happened with Carolina. Look what happened, you know, in the series before playing against Tampa Bay. You start getting chippy and you start going and there's a parade to the penalty box. Uh, this lightning power play will make you pay for it. So they've got to be very careful going home. Not get too physical. Of course, match the physicality, but don't don't overdo it and get yourselves into trouble and then end up being in a hole, uh, possibly, you know, getting yourselves out of the series. Yeah, exactly. That was a rough physical game. The uh, uh, Definitely, you can tell the uh, physical play ratcheted up tenfold. You know, in game two last night, the Lennox little scrap to Matt Martin and Pat Maroon uh, in the first period last night as well. So uh, very, very good to see that, you know, good physical, hard hockey. People want to see it. People want to see it. And uh, you like to see that in the playoffs, especially when you get this deep. And look, the stakes are high now. You're in the final four. You're one series win away from a Stanley Cup final. Uh, So there is big, massive uh, stakes on the line here. And you're seeing it now. You know, if you want to whack that take that extra cross check take that extra push and shove after the whistle you're going to do it now uh, because you're trying to really prove a point and prove that uh, superiority against the other team and uh, yeah definitely an exciting physical uh, hard-hitting game last night between uh, the Lightning and the Islanders for sure Barry Trotz was very critical uh, of the officiating after the game specifically about the missed too many men on the ice Uh, there were there were seven players for the Tampa Bay Lightning on the ice when Palat scored that goal. And it was a, a huge goal at the time, two to one in favor of the Lightning. And there were seven players for the Tampa Bay Lightning on the ice at that time. So it was clearly a missed call. Barry wasn't happy about it. Uh, you know, and uh, like I said, there's some, some people that are say the Islanders have had a, the benefit of the whistle at times uh, in these playoffs, especially a, a certain Boston Bruins team might think that uh, in the last round. Uh, but nevertheless, last night, with that missed call and Barry speaking out about it. You know what that means, guys? We've seen this movie before. Look for that whistle maybe to move toward the Islanders' favor in Game 3 at Nassau Coliseum. It wouldn't surprise me to see them get an extra call or two to go their way when this uh, series ships to uh, Nassau Coliseum Thursday night uh, for Game 3. Jimmy Murphy, good to have him back. He was away uh, taking care of the Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, uh, end-of-the-season press conferences for the Boston Bruins yesterday. Uh, he's back with us today. Uh, Jimmy, welcome in. What did you think of last night? Is the lightning even up the series? Well, as they say, Barry, karma's a bitch. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but I mean, you know, you sat there and said that you don't try to play the refs and you you kind of took veiled shots at, at, at uh, Bruce Cassidy. Uh, you know what? There was no need for it. All coaches do it. I don't know why he had to play that game with Cassidy and act, try to act like the saint, as Cassidy called him, um, because – Everyone does it. He's doing it right now, and I don't blame him. I'm, I have no problem with that. It's just a hypocrisy of Barry Truss that bothers me after that game. So that that's one thing that I took there. But no, the officiating is just – look, we all know that the league needs to really sit down with the officiating crew, with the, the union, get on the same page. There's been so much strife with them over the years in terms of pay and all that. And, 
I think it's trickled down onto the ice right now. And it, it's really become a thing where they just one side's not talking to the other. And, and there's just no communication on how the, the flow of the game should go and what should be called and what shouldn't. And, and I, I think that sometimes, you know, these refs see things like a too many men on the ice and they don't have the balls to do it because they don't want to get in trouble because they are under such a microscope right now that they don't want to decide a game that way. But in essence, they, they almost do decide a game that way when you screw the other team. So it's a shit show right now. Uh, they need to figure this out because this is an embarrassment, especially when you're making the, you know, the transition into a new TV deal and you're trying to grow the game more in the States. If I'm just an average sports fan watching that and then somebody explained to me what happened there, I'd be like, wow, that's a joke. I mean, what, what, what happened? You know, that doesn't make sense. So they need to get it together because it's really becoming an issue here in the playoffs again. There's so many lack of consistency situations with officiating and calls and gray areas right now. I mean, it's a shade of gray all over the ice surface in terms of some of these penalties. Goalie interference. What is and what isn't goalie interference? What is and what isn't uh, suspendable or a game misconduct in terms of an open ice hit, you know, in the middle of the ice? What do you do right. in that situation? There's just yep. so many of these situations. Goaltender interference specifically. And, of course, open ice hitting. What do you do suspension-wise? What do you do in terms of game misconduct or just, you know, five-minute uh, major? Or what, what do you do in all these different situations? And a fan, as a fan, you're unclear. Because one referee to the next and one game to the next, it'll be different, you know, in those same situations. So that's why it's frustrating. And you're right, there's got to be more of a definition, you know, in those two areas when it comes to penalties. Uh, there's no question. Uh, so now we move on to tonight, Montreal, Vegas. It's game two. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights up one nothing in the series. Uh, we've got the Golden Knights, as you would expect here, laying a massive price once again. Uh, at home in that minus 260, minus 270 range in this game. Uh, the total currently in this one is at uh, five and a half. Uh, it looks like, yes, five and a half. Actually, it's five now uh, pretty much across the board in most spots, but heavy juice to the over. There are still a couple five and a halfs out there, so make sure you shop around. But prevailing number with the total right now uh, is around five in this one. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, look, the Jeff Petrie, we're going to have to monitor this very closely. And I know it, you don't want to overreact to one game, just like last night. Yeah, Tampa looked great, but I'm hearing people saying Tampa's going to win every game the rest of the way. Hold on. You can't overreact to one game. Uh, and to me, the same thing with this series. It was a good performance by Vegas. They got the win. They took advantage of Jeff Petrie being out. And that's what the concern is for me, because I truly think that if Petrie's out again tonight in game two, it's a problem for Montreal. It's a very big problem, okay? Here's what the problem is. Problem is, he's one of their best puck-moving defensemen. His zone exits are supreme. He gets the puck up the ice. The transition from defense to offense is no smoother than it is with Jeff Petrie on that back end. And without that, you don't have the zone exits. You don't get out of your zone easily. You have trouble clearing the zone. And when you're playing against a heavy, hard-hitting, just four-check, just puts you through the meat grinder style of hockey that Vegas plays, that's a bad matchup when you don't have your most swiftest, puck-moving defenseman with you uh, on the blue line. And we saw that in game one. And not only did he, they miss what Petrie does, but it's a domino effect, guys, in terms of how it affects the rest of the blue line. It means Weber's got to play more minutes for a guy that's older and had a lot of injuries. You know, it means a lot more responsibility and wear and tear on Sherratt and Edmondson, and they've been good, but they've got to do more. And even worst of all, it means more minutes for Brett Kulak and Eric Gustafson. There's five, six defensemen for Montreal. And, man, there's issues with those two guys. I mean, you talk about sometimes making miscues with the puck, bad position in the defensive zone. I mean, Brett Kulak had a terrible night. And, unfortunately, he's got to play more minutes because you're short of defensemen. So he's got to play more minutes. He only played, you know, I think eight or nine minutes after the second period. I'll give Dominic Ducharme credit. I mean, Jimmy and I were always skeptical of him, especially with Claude Julien getting fired. But – he did the right thing. He tried to keep Brett Kulak's minutes and Eric Gustafson's minutes to a minimum the other night. You know, like the eight, nine minutes is not a lot for Kulak after the first two periods. But here's the problem. It was eight or nine of the worst nine minutes, uh, uh, eight or nine of the worst minutes a defenseman could play in that game, Brett Kulak. He takes a terrible tripping penalty, which is just you're not moving your feet, you're not set, and you take a bad penalty in the neutral zone. Luckily, they killed it off. The back-breaking goal when Montreal just got the power play marker from Cole Caulfield, 
and they got right back in the game. They made it two to one. Who do we have but Brett Kulak at the side of the net, letting Matthias Janmark do whatever he wants, tip the puck in past Price, and it's three to one. What you have to do in that spot is you have to either knock Janmark on his ass or tie up the stick. You got to do one or the other. You cannot do uh, neither in that situation. He did neither. He didn't get the stick. He didn't knock the man down. And the puck ended up in the back of the net instead. So that's the problem with Petrie being out. It's not just that they miss him and what he provides to this team. It's you got to put guys like Kulak out on the ice longer. And they're vulnerable. They're liabilities at times, especially against a heavy four-check team like Vegas. So this is a, a significant impact injury for Montreal. And we're going to have to wait and see if he plays. They're going to see if he is a full participant in the morning skate, which I think is probably going to be happening in a few minutes for Montreal. So we should know fairly soon. And they say if he gets through that uh, pain-free, there's probably a good chance he returns, but still a big if. And they're saying game-time decision still for his status tonight. So if he doesn't play, it's trouble. If he does play, man, it makes everything different because everybody gets back into their usual pairings. Your pairings are back to normal. They're not screwed up like they were in game one. And I think it'll make things a lot better for Montreal. I'm I'm eyeing Montreal here in some fashion tonight. Not so much the money line, but I'm looking to do it a little bit differently. Maybe first period. You could go that route with Montreal, come out strong in this game. They actually did come out strong in game one. I thought they had a good first period uh, in game one. And, you know, if not for Flurry, if not for a couple of bad bounces, I thought Montreal could have scored a couple goals in that first period. But Vegas really took the game over from that point on in the second and the third. So what I'm looking at here is I'm probably going to do a split bet here. Plus half a goal, minus 140 Montreal first period. So that, you know, in case it's tied after the first period, we get a push on that or or actually we'll win that. I should say plus a half minus 140. I probably do a half and half bet for Montreal first period tonight, half on Montreal plus a half goal minus 140 and half on the money line at plus 180 with Montreal uh, in the first period. And I also leaned to Montreal puck line plus one and a half, which is only minus 120. You know, I do think we're going to get a close game tonight. I do think they'll respond, but here's the catch. I really like all these bets if Petrie plays tonight in this game. If he doesn't play, I'm going to be a lot less confident uh, in all three of these uh, positions here with Montreal tonight. Uh, in Ian, game I, don't mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just got a text there and – my guy in Montreal is telling me it's 50-50 at best. There you go. 50-50. Great job, Jimmy. Uh, excellent stuff. Great timing on that, just as we're talking about uh, this <laughs> game. So, yeah, that's dicey. Um, that's di- I mean, he matters. I-, I hate to make it all about one guy, but you saw it the other night. I mean, you're yeah. running out the Kulak and Gustafson for more minutes, and they can't even handle the little We've been talking about this all season, Ian. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not – It's I don't know why that – you know, look, you give a lot of credit to Bergeron now. We, you know, we doubted him for a while. He did put together a lineup that's got them this far. But at the same time, that's an area he didn't address at all at the deadline, which I was surprised at. Yeah, he didn't address that. What uh, John Merrill must be hurt because this guy's dropped off the face of the earth. Oh, yeah, Montreal. I forgot he got John Merrill, but I wouldn't yeah. call that addressing – Petrie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And look, he's out too because he's still he's been injured for a while now too. John Merrill. Uh, so yeah. you can't even go to him. At least he's got some experience. He's played in the playoffs a couple he's, of times. He's but, got a mullet, uh, so I mean, he's yeah, right, you know. and he's a game time decision. <laughs> Actually, he's missed. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's missed seven games in a row due to injury. So he's been out for a while. Uh, but he is actually a guy that might be available to them tonight. Well, at this point, you got to take cool. If, if Merrill's available, you take Kulak out. You put this guy in. Simple as that. Kulak can't see the ice if you can put a John Merrill. Merrill and, yeah, I don't know if you saw. They had Merrill and Petrie as the fourth pairing today. Yeah. So I, th- those two guys, for all intents and purposes, are probably out. But if you yeah. can, if you can play one of them over Kulak, I agree. Yeah, because that's a hideous night. I hate piling on one guy, but that was a brutal game for him. Brutal. And he, and he actually had a bad penalty and a goal that was a backbreaking goal that he did not do his job in front of the net, tying up the stick or knocking Yanmark down. And that 3-1 goal was the backbreaker because Montreal just got their – Feeling good again. We're two oh, yeah. to one. We're right back in it. And a minute later, they 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 make it three one. It was just a terrible time and score situation for Montreal to give that up uh, the way they did. And unfortunately, Kulak terrible in front of the net there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still thinking Montreal does respond with a much better performance. I think the game one was a culture shock, guys. You're playing Toronto and Winnipeg. They don't play hard, heavy four check cycle game like Vegas does. 
And Montreal was thrown for a loop by it. At least they have a game now that they've had. They've experienced the style that Vegas brings to the table, which is much different from Toronto, which is much different from Winnipeg. So I think Montreal will be a little bit more accustomed to it. So uh, I would look toward – here's what I would do. If Petri doesn't go, I'd look over the total. They're going to give up more chances. They're going to give up probably more goals because of Petrie being out as well because you got Kulak and Gustafson in defensive positions where they're not good defensively, neither one. Uh, and they're going to be out on the ice more often. So it's kind of one of those games where Petrie's in, I like Montreal first period plus a half, maybe a little first period money line sprinkle, Montreal plus one and a half goals, full game puck line at minus 120. I like all of those that Petrie plays. If he doesn't, I maybe look for goals tonight. And the total's only five at most spots. So that's the way I'm attacking it. Petrie in, I look Montreal. Petrie out, I look over the total. Uh, more than anything tonight. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Game two, Montreal-Vegas. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned all the different question marks with this Montreal defense, but then you also look at the fact that they said Fleury stood on his head and made some incredible saves in that first period. Montreal should have had at least a goal, uh, in my opinion. If we, Even if we saw uh, just a, a B-level Fleury uh, in that game one, they would have had that game would have been tied one-to-one. So with that being said, I'm looking at the first period over. You can get it at a great price of plus 115 or even plus 120. Uh, that's the price I got it about a couple hours ago. I think we're going to see at least a couple of goals early, and that's going to be key for Montreal. I know they like to slow things down and try to, you know, uh, play a more defensive-minded game. But like I said, the, the heavy cycle and forecheck of Vegas, they're going to have to try to at least match some of that firepower. I don't know if they'll be able to do it for a full 60 minutes. That's why I'm not, I'm not doing anything in the game. And if I were, I would be looking at something with Vegas. Uh, but I think Montreal, if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to dominate in the first period, just like they did last time. But they're going to have to find a way to get past Flurry at least once or twice. So I like this first period over. I think both teams will score. So that's another prop I like. Look for both teams to score in the first period. Uh, and then maybe make some adjustments from there. Good prop. But both teams to score first period. I could see that definitely tonight. Vegas usually scores. Vegas is almost always good for a goal at, at, on home ice in that first period, uh, including here in the playoffs. And Montreal's got to come out aggressive. You know, they can't just sit around and wait for the game to come to them. they got to go out there and try to take it because they're the team down one nothing in this series. So that both teams to score first period uh, definitely might be something I look at as well. That makes a lot of sense in that one. And you look at Vegas, you look too with Montreal, if Petrie doesn't go, they have three defensemen out of six they can really rely on. Sherratt, Edmondson, and, and Weber. And then after that, there's a huge drop-off. Then you look at the Vegas blue line. What what kind of game did Shea Theodore play the other night? How good was he? Unreal. Uh, this guy's just been amazing for the uh, Golden Knights. What a play he made to fake the shot and pass it to Martinez. Wide open uh, for that second Vegas goal the other night. And then you compare without Petrie. you got three defensemen you can rely on from Montreal. And then you look at Vegas. You've got Alex Petrangelo, who's playing at a high level right now. He's really playing well. Stanley Cup champ, Alec Martinez, Stanley Cup champ, uh, Braden McNabb, really solid, sturdy defenseman. There's four right there. And I'll argue that Zach Whitecloud and Nick Holden, you know, your 5'6 defenseman for Vegas, they are destroying the 5'6 defenseman for Montreal. I'll take Zach Whitecloud the way he's playing right now and Nick Holden over Gustafson and Kulak right now for Montreal. It's not even an argument. It's not even a fair fight comparing those two and the way they played to the Montreal 5-6 defensemen. So that's the issue here. This is a series swinging injury status that we're waiting on here with Petrie. Because I think with Petrie, they're they're competitive and they're right in this series and still have a chance in it. Without him, Jimmy, uh, I just don't know. Because I think there's not enough defensemen I can rely on shift to shift at either end of the ice. Especially when you compare it to Vegas, Jimmy, where one through six... Can you name a blue line right uh, blue liner on Vegas right now and uh, a defenseman one through six playing poorly right now for Vegas? It's hard no. to find one. Uh, they yeah. are playing collectively outstanding right now, and that could be trouble. What do you think, Jimmy, of tonight's game? Well, I mean, you know, this is more. I think I'm with Alex. Where this might be more one where I uh, bet live, maybe then rather than do something right now. But if I was going to do something right now, I would lean kind of the way you're going there. I mean, you. you Montreal, I mean, if they have any chance, they got to come out and set the tempo in the first period. So you got to think they're going balls to the wall right off the get go. And, you know, one thing I will do, though, uh, before the game is I'm going to I'm going to ride the Cole Caulfield train. I I think he's due for another. I think this kid's going to get hot right now. Whether that propels Montreal to victory, I don't know. But I could see him scoring another goal. You can still I'm thinking 
right here. I see it at plus 300 right now. Why not? So I'll do that as my only official. But other than that, this is going to be something I ride. And I'm sensing an over as well. Ian, I, I think that Montreal is going to be forced to open it up. The only reason I'm worried about the offense from the Montreal's uh, perspective is without Petrie. For the same reason, you're talking about missing Petrie just on defense. I, I look at how much they miss him going through the neutral zone yeah. and how much he ramps up that offense. He's the one that gets it going. He's the engine. And, you know, we've been saying this all season, and now it's coming to fruition. This this could be what does Montreal under. I mean, they had everything going until he got hurt again. And I know, yeah, they won uh, game four against Winnipeg without him. But still, I mean, having him back in the lineup, I think we even start, you know, just when he first got back, you could see how much more in sync that defense was because they didn't have guys trying to compensate for his loss that can never compensate for his loss. They just don't have the depth there, and, and that's an issue right now. So we'll see how they can do it tonight. But uh, I'm going to look at this more in the live aspect. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, especially at this time of year. Sometimes the live bets are the best bets to make uh, when it comes to these uh, Stanley Cup playoff games. Everything's so tight. A lot of times the team that you, you know is favored in the series, is you're, you're not going to find value. You're going to – like for Vegas, for instance, you're going to have to wait till probably live during the game to find any kind of value to back them here tonight uh, in this game. But – there are positives for Montreal. Like, even though they lost game one, here are the positives. You had a great start. Could have been one or two nothing Montreal in the first period, to be honest with you. They had a terrific start in that game. They just couldn't uh, bury a puck, you know, in the first period. Cole Caulfield scores his first Stanley Cup playoff goal. That's a positive. You know, I thought they generated uh, a couple of really good looks against uh, Vegas uh, earlier in the game. I think Vegas really shut them down good in the third period, and that's the problem. You get behind Vegas in that building in the third period, they really shut the game down, and that's exactly what they did uh, in the third period of game one. But they still generated uh, a bunch of good quality chances. It's going to be key to, for them to get ahead, though. Don't want to be trailing this Vegas team, and it showed uh, in game one. But Caulfield was noticeable. I thought Suzuki played a hard, tough game, and he had a couple of chances as well. Uh, to Foley, uh, decent. Uh, you'd like to see Josh Anderson, who was great in the regular season, started the playoff strong in the first round. He's kind of quieted uh, down a little bit. So hopefully if you're Montreal, you can get a little bit something more from him. Again, you get goals in the last round from you know Armia, uh, Lekkanen, you know, a couple of your depth forwards. Hopefully they can chip in for you as well uh, to match what Vegas has. And look, when Vegas is getting points from the blue line and goals from the blue line to go with Pacioretty, Smith, Stone, uh, Carlson, Marcia So and company, yeah, if they're going to start getting goals from Shea Theodore and Alec Martinez and Petrangelo like they've done in the last few games, boy, it's going to be difficult uh, against this Golden Knights team. But it's a fascinating game. I wish I could say right now I've definitively got a bet on this game, but it's really hinging on Petrie. Like I said, I'm shifting to Montreal if he's in, you know, first period and full game puck line. I'm shifting to the over in this game tonight, maybe first period, full game, and maybe that both teams to score in the first period as well if Jeff Petrie doesn't play tonight uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. So that's basically how I'm approaching it uh, right now. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, – Cole Caulfield is a decent goal scorer prop to look at tonight uh, in this game. Uh, I'm also looking from a Vegas standpoint. Uh, Tuck feels like this could be a night for him. He was a little bit quiet in game one. I think he'll probably be better. I like that, what you're thinking there, Howie, for sure. I like that uh, name, too, from Howie. Yeah, Howie Thielen. Yeah, he joined the yeah, Goalfield. Goal yes, I'm uh, talking about Caulfield. Or Good goal. I've heard people call him Goal Caulfield as well. <laughs> uh, instead of Cole. But, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of different names for uh, Caulfield uh, in, uh, accentuating his ability to yeah. put the puck How in the How great was that moment seeing his parents there, too? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. think about that. I, 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 it hadn't dawned on me, man. I mean, it's you know, and I apologize, but, you know, we we just sort of get so used to the society, the, you know, the pandemic we've been living in, but it hadn't dawned on me how long that kid probably hasn't seen his parents and that right. they, they haven't been able to be at an NHL game in person yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that sucks. No, so that, I mean, that was great. I just wish they could have won the game for him. But I mean, that was a great moment. It was uh, absolutely. And by the way, Cole Caulfield's brother, who was with the parents there, looks just like him. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Hey, you can hardly tell the difference. You can tell they are two brothers, two siblings. Uh, that's for sure. The other goal scoring props I'm going to be looking at. I was on them in game one. They didn't come in, but I'm going to stick with them. The former players of the other team, Pacioretty and Suzuki, the two guys we talk about in that trade. Uh, I think there are always going to be threats to score in this series and certainly want to prove a point 
to their former teams, Suzuki to Vegas, and of course, Pacioretty to Montreal. So uh, proved points to them that, hey, maybe you shouldn't have you know, dealt us in that trade uh, a few years ago. So uh, Pacioretty and Suzuki, I might dabble in those two players as well in terms of scoring a goal tonight uh, in game two. All right, great stuff with Alex, great stuff with Jimmy. You know what, before we get to best bets and wrap up the show, we haven't talked about this yet because since it was announced a day or two ago, great job by the New York Rangers hiring Gerard Gallant great hire uh, is the right one perfect fit and he what he will do is demand accountability away from the puck as well which is something that the new york rangers need they've got goals for days the new york rangers with all the offense they have with uh mika zabanajad lafreniere is only going to get better uh Kreider, uh panarin go on they got more than enough offense adam fox developing right before our eyes as one of the better defensemen and offensive defensemen uh, in the NHL. They've got enough scoring. That's never been the problem with the Rangers. It's accountability away from the puck and defensive focus. And Gerard Gallant will demand that for the New York Rangers. Great fit. Look, I, I didn't mind David Quinn, but you compare David Quinn here to Gerard Gallant, I don't think there's even a, a comparison. This is a guy that got shafted. The only reason Gerard Gallant got fired is because he got shafted. He got the short end of the stick in both stops. He shouldn't have been fired in Florida when he was, and he got an absolutely horrendous exit, left him at the freaking airport, essentially, uh, telling him he's fired. And then Vegas, you know, it took him to the Stanley Cup in the fr- expansion year. You know, they've been a playoff team the whole while, and now they have a rough patch midway through season three, and he's gone. Not even a chance to work through it. Gone. And Vegas gets rid of him, and they go to Pete DeBoer. So he got the short end of the stick in Florida and in Vegas. He was always a good coach in my mind and very worthy of this opportunity. Great job, New York Rangers. They needed something good. It's been a shit show with the uh, Dolan stuff. Uh, you know, with the, uh, the There was the Tom Wilson incident that went through. There was the statement that was put out. Uh, there's John Davidson and, and Gorton being fired all of a sudden. I mean, it's been a bad run of publicity and, and headlines off the ice for the Rangers. Finally, some good stuff happening for the New York Rangers. Way to go. Gerard Gallant, great hire. Uh, can't be any more thrilled or excited or happy about it for them than I am. It's a great hire. Simple as that. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think here? Rangers, Gerard Gallant head into the Big Apple. I, I love it. I think it's a great hire. I, I thought I had a hunch back uh, a couple months ago, you know, maybe he'd end up in Detroit. Just made too much sense being the, you know, good buddies with Stevie Y, former teammates and his Red Wings ties. But, you know, they kept Lassell. So uh, a great hire by the Rangers. What, what's interesting, though, about that um, is if they're hiring Gallant, that tells me that they've got word that, you know, Rod Brindamore might be staying in Carolina because from what I had heard, that was their top choice. And they were holding out hope that he was going to leave there, that they could lure him away because he hasn't signed a contract yet. So we'll see what happens. But it was interesting there. I, I thought he would have been a good fit in Seattle as well. I mean, hey, wouldn't that be something if he took another yeah. expansion team to the uh, Stanley Cup final in their first yeah. year? So, um, But if you look at Seattle – just I've told you this before. Think of Rick Tockett. Think of guys like that. There's rumors yeah. about Joel Quinville. There's rumors about Brindamore. All former teammates are on Francis. So obviously he, ha- he has his little network that he's exploring there. Um, I think when all is said and done, it'll be Rick Tockett. But a good hire by the Rangers. And now the Rangers, if if I'm the Rangers, you got to get tougher. You got to add some grit. You got to add some character. That's right. And you're right. You, you got to become a tougher team to play against. Cause look, we're finding out you got to be a tough team to play against a little bit here in the playoffs. Tampa's got some of that. Now the Islanders certainly have some of that look at Vegas right yep. now with the way they play. They're tougher. And even Montreal's got some guys that can do that. So, and they're the teams left standing. So we've gotten back to a few years ago, get rid of the grit, get rid of the, you know, physical play. It's all about skill, speed, making plays and all that to win a Stanley cup. Now we're getting back to that. You need some of that again now. Uh, to be able to win a Stanley Cup championship. There's no question. And a great hire again by the Rangers. I'll say one last thing about uh, the Seattle situation. You've said all along, Jimmy, that Rick Tockett is going to be the coach there. I believe you. I think Rick Tockett's going to be the guy uh, in Seattle. I think Quenville will stay in Florida. I think it's too soon for him to pull out the parachute for yeah. that. And I think Carolina and Pierre Lebrun's saying the same thing, that it looks like Carolina oh, yeah. uh, and okay. Rod Brindamore is going to stay there and re-up there. So I think Rick Tockett is going to be the guy. Uh, One other coach note, too. I know, Ian, we uh, talked about this. I'm not sure if Alex, you're on that show, but we were wondering, you know, about big changes in Colorado. Well, Jared Bednar is not going to be one. Uh, My colleague, Adrian Dater, has broken the story that he's confirmed he will stay in Colorado. So now I think the question mark is on Gabriel Landeskog. I I seriously, 
I have a really good feeling they're not going to bring him back. I, yeah, I, I think that's the sh- they need some kind of change to shake that room up because it, it feels like it's club met over there and, and there's no accountability. They need to get that going over there. They need, they need somebody made. They looked at it and maybe said, Hey, look, Bednar did his job. It was a players who let us down and, and they need somebody in that dress room. That's a player that's going to have more of a, a leadership role. And, and look, I, I know it's no other way to say it. I know I'm knocking Landeskog. I don't mean any disrespect, but it, it's just, it doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, that's a good point. There might be a change uh, that's required. Alex, what did you think of the uh, Gallant hire? Oh, I thought I thought it was a great hire. Like I said, I thought Seattle would have been uh, a great fit for him. Obviously, like I said, the fact that he had the, the success he did with Vegas, being in the most successful expansion team in sports history, uh, going to a cup final in the first year, I thought that would have been a shoo-in for Seattle. But their loss is now the Rangers' gain. And like you said, you know the the point you made in about having grit the toughness in the lineup that's always been a thing even though the game has gotten more fast and more skill-based you look at the teams that have won cups over the last 15 years they've had to have some kind of toughness and grit to keep them afloat uh, in certain series even when you look back at the hawks the kings the you know uh, of course the bruins you know they had those tough guys they were able to mix and, and match playing with skill and grit uh, to win a cup, and that's what you need. Like I said, that we're seeing that now with the four yeah. teams that are left. So the Rangers are going to have to get a little bit tougher on that end for sure. I I would I agree completely. I mean, that's how it has been on the ice. But I I don't know if Ian, maybe I was reading you different. I was just reading that you were saying it's trending more towards signing those guys. Like, let's think about it. Like, yes. you had that wave. You're right. You said the Bruins and the Kings and the Hawks right there, Alex. Right. But then if you think about it, between 15, 16, and 17. It wasn't necessary. So the Pit- the Pittsburgh Penguins, an example. I don't think they were that yeah. tough team. They, they, they won exactly. more on speed and skill. Yeah. And then They're everybody exactly. was like, "Oh, the game's going back to finesse." And the Capitals were like, "No, it's not." And then right. the Blues were like, "No, it's not." And then the Tampa Bay Lightning were like, "No, it's not." So and now whoever wins is doing the same thing. I mean, you're right. That stuff never leaves the game, Alex. You're absolutely right. And I don't know why, year after year after year after year, people throw so much money at high end skill. They can't stay on the ice. They can't stay healthy because they're not tough enough, or can't can't battle it out in the corners when the, when the time comes. When they can't adapt to the way the game shifts in the playoffs, and until you do that, you're not going to win. No, it's it's a it's hundred percent. You need some of that now uh, in the play. A lot of that. You need a third We're line. Fighting, yeah, a third yeah, line, definitely. one that can get under the skin, check, be and responsible score. defensively, and chip in goals. You can't yep. just be defensive only. You need a third line that can chip in some goals as well. Why was that line? I keep going back to that Anaheim team that won the Cup. Pronger with Sammy Paulson and oh, that yeah. third line of theirs. Yeah, yeah. That, that yep. third line of theirs was just outstanding. And Sammy Paulson was petulance. Yeah, petulance. exactly. They were great at their jobs. They were physical. They checked. They were a great shutdown third line in terms of defensive forwards, defensive line, and they could chip in some goals. Uh, that line as well. Uh, and they won, the, of course, that was the 07 uh, Stanley Cup uh, yep. team for Anaheim. So uh, that's a perfect example. That's a great playoff third line. They showed it that year. And that's what you need, a third line that can check and score a little bit and have that physicality. If you've got all three of that, and you've defense. got a great combo. And, yes, of course. Yeah, and that's one yeah. yeah, defense. <laughs> check, Bruins found out, as the Montreal Canadiens are finding out. Yeah, exactly. And a little bit of offense as well. And you've got a winning formula for a third line that's effective at Stanley Cup playoff time. Uh, Hopefully we've given you a winning formula for the game tonight, Montreal-Vegas, from a betting standpoint. Uh, That'll wrap up this show. We will get to best bets in just a second. Before we do, uh, DraftKings, download the app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, MLB daily. We've got U.S. Open golf this weekend, another major Football is only two months away. It's a great time of year to check out DraftKings. When you download the app and sign up, you will get deposit bonuses, weekly specials, weekly incentives, bet boosts as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. All right, it is time for best bets. Uh, it's tricky because I haven't locked in anything yet uh, for this game, uh, pregame. But you know what I will give you? Um, I'll give you the one that I think that's good. It's a little safe bet. Let's do Montreal first period, but let's do the safer option. Let's do plus a half goal, minus 140 uh, in the first period with the Montreal Canadiens. So that if the game is tied after the opening period, we cash a ticket on this bet. And I don't think Montreal will be trailing after the first period. I think worst case scenario tonight, they'll be tied. They'll Regardless of Petrie being in or out, I do like this bet enough to bet it. I think they'll have a good first period. They know they got to play better than they did in game one. So let's take Montreal 
plus a half goal, plus 0.5 goals, minus 140 in the first period. That will be my best bet for tonight's game two with the uh, Canadians and the Golden Knights. Uh, Alex, we'll go to you. Best bet. Well, I'll be rooting for a one-one time in the first period because I like the first period over one and a half goals uh, plus one twenty. I think this is going to be a good spot. Like I said, I don't see uh, Montreal trailing. We saw the pressure they put on Flurry uh, in Game One in the first period. Uh, they were just unlucky and didn't get one behind him. I think they'll be able to get one tonight. Uh, and of course, like I said, Vegas always good for uh, at least one goal in the first period at home. So we'll go with the first period over between the Habs and the Knights. Uh, that's my best bet. There you go. At a plus price as well. Montreal, Vegas, over one and a half first period uh, for Alex B. Smith. Uh, Jimmy, I think the only bet you said you really liked was Cole Caulfield to score. Is that what you're going with? Yeah. So I'm not going to really give you a best bet considering it's just a prop. But I mean, yeah. I, like I said, I'm going to I'm going to touch this game live, see how it goes and ride it. I, I mean, this is this this game you could say is the series, guys, I mean, because I don't think. If you go back down 2-0, I don't think you have a, as good a chance leaning on your fans to come back from a 2-0 deficit as if it was reversed and Vegas was going home. I mean, yeah. it's 3,000 fans, man. It's I, I've been in high school games bigger than that. It's, it's just – it's not going to be the same. However, it could be a letdown for, the, for Vegas going into an atmosphere like that because they haven't played it. They've been playing in front of fans now for about a month. They've been, they've been getting used to this, yep. you know, feeling normal again. And all of a sudden they're going to go back into that little pandemic twilight zone. So maybe that does help them out, but I, I this is a must win for the Canadians. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see them coming back if they go down too well. And keep in mind, they would be flying to the Eastern time zone for the first time in about 15 months. Ooh. So Very maybe there good. is some home advantage. Maybe you're right, Alex. Yeah, not, not, not too good. Let's point. not forget that they've been in the Pacific time zone, mountain time zone this entire season. Uh, they That's haven't right. been in any central time zone or anything like that this year. Or even even, time even in the playoffs, they were in, in yeah. Edmonton the whole time. So yeah, they have. So it's, it's been probably longer than that. Probably about 17 months really since they've been. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Different time zones. Yeah. So that could tilt it in Montreal's maybe favor. Maybe you're right. Whoa, situation. guys. You, no, I'm yeah. gonna. You know what? Great point. I was going to yeah. go and say there wasn't too much, of it, but that could be huge. So if you get the win here in your Montreal, this is big. Yeah. This is even bigger. So. It is. If you could somehow split in Vegas, that is like newfound money for this Montreal team. And boy, that would be. That would and be they've a done well with newfound money. Yeah, a huge boon to them, <laughs> absolutely, uh, trying to win this series. Before we wrap up, uh, because I was going to say that's going to wrap it up. Jimmy Murphy's been in this memories and reminiscing mode here the last couple of days. It is the 10-year anniversary of the Boston <laughs> Bruins Stanley Cup victory when he was just a wee little whippersnapper in the uh, hockey media business yeah. covering the uh, Boston <laughs> Bruins. Uh, looked, looked a little different then than he does now, uh, but some great memories of that Bruins championship team yeah. 10 years ago, beating Vancouver in seven games uh, in the Stanley Cup final. So, Jimmy, before we wrap up the show, let's get some words from you, some memories and 10-year anniversary of certainly a memorable season for the Boston I, Bruins team. Yeah, thanks. I'll tell you what. I mean, it's funny you, you just said that because I was just texting with some buddies of mine, and we were, we were just talking about old stories at UMass, and – we were getting them mixed up and I'm like one of like wait a minute no that's not how I'm like gosh shit we're getting old we're getting old we got we and so I said you know I gotta start we gotta start jotting these stories and they're like Jimmy you should do it because you are you're getting old and you're gonna forget how they went you know and jot them down now and get them down and and then we started talking about hockey stories and that whole run came up and I mean that was that was an amazing season for so many reasons for me because well you know a I grew up covering the Boston Bruins. So I'm not going to lie, growing up, I was a huge Bruins fan. But as a reporter, and you guys know, I, I try and do my best, keep it objective. And I, you know, I want to be a straight shooter. I'm not going to I'm not going to side with the Bruins just because of where I'm from. Um, but still, I'm not going to lie inside as that run goes on in those playoffs. You know, when they beat Montreal, they go down two nothing and, and go up to Montreal and win two games in the Bell Center. Speaking of the Bell Center crowd and they tie that series up there. That's when I kind of felt like it, this is we're on to something. This is something special. And I remember Recky before that uh, that game three, I was on the phone with him, and he's like, "Look, we did the same thing when I was with Carolina the year we won the cup up in Montreal. We went in there down 2-0. so we did the same thing to them. All right, I don't give a shit. We're gonna go in there and we're gonna silence this crowd." And I said, "Can I put that on record?" And he says, "You're damn well." And he gave me the Messier quote, and they went up there and they did it. And when they did that, I was like, "This team's going far." And just the run, traveling with the team. We got to go to Montreal, then Philly. I was in Philly that second round when they swept the Flyers. Just something you never forget. I'm in an Irish pub in Philly. And all of a sudden, 
we're, we're sitting there and we've been sitting there all afternoon after practice and after we were done writing and we're sitting in a bar at night watching a Phillies game with a bunch of reporters. And I'll never forget, you know, the announcer's going, this is weird. Crowd's chanting USA, USA, you trying to figure it out. And then it broke. They had killed Bin Laden. And the crowd was getting the news over there and it was just spreading. And then the whole bar started chanting USA. And you went outside in the streets of Philly. Everybody was going crazy. This is like, you know, when we were actually a united country. Uh, and it was <laughs> it, it was unreal. And then that, that happened during that cup run. And then I went to Tampa, saw that series. But Vancouver was something, guys, because I'll tell you, and I don't mean to hold you here, but it's worth the end of the story here. So Vancouver was very hard to get to for reporters from the East coast. It was, it was the worst possible travel scenario for covering that series because go back and look it up. Air Canada went on strike right when the Stanley cup finals. Right, were about that year in yeah, yeah. Okay. So we had to get all these connection flights and everything. My first flight out there for games one and two, I left Boston, Logan airport. I think about 1130 AM Eastern time. I had to fly to Cincinnati, to Houston, to Phoenix, and then up the coast to Vancouver. And the whole thing took me 23 hours. Wow. Only stopovers. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I went right from the airport to the game day skate on day of game one. And I was just like in a whirlwind. And I said, I got to get home and get a nap. And I'll tell you, the picture of me that day, I'll never forget it. I felt like uh, Paul Newman, uh, Reg Dunlop in Slapshot. Remember the day of the big game? And he's just trying to get that game day nap in and all this shit keeps happening. That was me. And, and I was trying to get there and I got to the rink finally for the game on probably an hour's sleep. And that was it, man. It was just back and forth with all these connections. And the final day we had a uh, fly out to Seattle for game seven. We took a Southwest, which thankfully only stopped in Chicago, then to Seattle. And we went to Seattle. We rented a car, Joe McDonald and I, and we drove up. It's about a three hour ride. And so that meant, you know, the day after game seven, we got to get back to Seattle. It's a three hour ride. And we got a 1030 a.m. flight. Well, we all know what happened after the Bruins won the cup outside of the arena. The yeah. city went up in flames and the riot yeah. started. Riot. And so yep. we had to stay there. And I think I might have told you this story before, guys. So we were stuck for a good six hours after the game ended. I mean, it was great. We got to celebrate with the team and everything. And then we're just sitting there right. But then we had nothing to write. We're like, all right, we're done. I want to just get to a pub or I want to get back to my room and go to sleep. And my buddy, Joe McDonald, that I work with, he says, well, I'll find us some beer. So he comes back. About 25 minutes later, he's got a 30-pack of Molson Dry, and which isn't, you know, the best beer, but we'll take it at that point. And I said, well, how much you pay? And he goes, 500 bucks on the company tab. Don't worry about it. Or a freaking 30-pack. <laughs> wow. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. And so, yeah, he had explained that one to them when they were doing the accounting and everything. I don't know how he ever pulled it off. But anyhow, I ended up going to a bar after that. I never went home. So basically, Joe went to my hotel room, got in there, got my stuff, picked me up at the pub at 8 a.m. After the game, I was at this place called the Winking Judge, and we celebrated there. The owner was a Bruins fan. And we drove down to Seattle, and we got to the border, and there's just this giant wait. Like, it, it is jammed, and we're not moving. And now it's like 45 minutes. We haven't moved, and we're still a mile to the border. And so, you know, those guys are coming down with the dogs and everything, and they're sniffing. And this guy sees uh, Joe McDonald and me and says, wait a minute. You guys are from ESPN Boston, right? Because I'm a fucking huge Bruins fan. I'm from Dorchester, Mass. He goes, I'll be right back. Gets back, comes back in a security car, escorts us to the top, to the front of the line. We go through the border, and we just made our flight. Wow. That was that's, my That's buddy. amazing. <laughs> On the West Coast, you couldn't get much further away in that country or in, the, in this continent from Boston than you yeah. were at that time. And you run into a big time Bruin fan yeah. working there and is willing to help you out. That's insane. That's awesome. It was a million shot right there. And, and you know, you know who over, you know who else went over that border that day, and it led to his demise. Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's how he got caught at that yep. border. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. The parallels are scary. Wow. You went up to game story. seven, man. Uh, yeah. Amazing stuff. Time of your life. You'll probably look back on that today, 10 years ago, and say some of the great times of my life, right? Yeah, it was. Oh, but the best thing happened. So the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. But then a month later, I get my Stanley Cup. That's when Maddie was born. So ah, nice. You know, great year. Not to get some TMI, but do the math. <laughs> they started their season in Prague in October, and she was born in July. 
Yep. There we go. It's a frog, baby. <laughs> yeah. Wow, amazing stuff. There you go. Ten. Yeah, that was years a hell of a year for me, man. Yeah, it was a hell of a year. Ten years of memories for Jimmy Murphy as he looks back on the Boston Bruins, of course, covering the team then, 2011 Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins. Ten years ago, hard to believe the 10th anniversary already of that championship team, uh, the Boston Bruins that season, beating Vancouver in the Stanley Cup. Crazy stories. I mean, unbelievable travel struggle. I'd be at my wit's end. Four oh, I didn't think we were making over. a flight for sure. Yeah. yeah, four or five stopovers until I finally got to yeah, my. Yeah, that's that's outrageous. outrageous. That, that, yeah, that, yeah. I'm just thinking now, boys. I mean, so I was what? I was 36 then. I, my body wouldn't have handled that series now. I just, I would have dropped dead. I, I, <laughs> there was no sleep involved. It was either you were you were working your ass off or you're getting drunk, uh, and you're traveling. And it was just, I, I just remember coming home the next day. You know, and just waking up being like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> it's like a brick hit you in the side of the head, right? Oh, yeah, that, yeah there was some recovery time needed for yeah. sure. <laughs> Amazing stuff, Jimmy. Great stories. Uh, great Cheers. Way to Thanks for letting me tell Great story. Absolutely. I, I wanted to because I know you've mentioned it a few times. And, hey, when you have 10-year anniversary of something that monumental and a big part of your past personally and professionally. And my daughter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, your girl came up from that as well, from that great year. So that was a great year all around, uh, 2011 that was. So great uh, recounting uh, some great memories by Jimmy uh, of that year and of that Bruins uh, championship season. Great way to end this edition uh, of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone in the chat. By the way, Alex is right. Hit the like button. If you are watching on YouTube, hit that like button, especially after stories like that from Jimmy. Uh, hit that like button. Uh, we appreciate it if you're watching live on YouTube. A reminder. The Ice Guys is live on YouTube seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. You can find the podcast there. BetCast tomorrow night. Don't forget that, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern uh, for Islanders Lightning Game 3 at Nassau Coliseum. Thursday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, our next Ice Guys BetCast. DM me, Alex, the Twitter, uh, the Ice Guys Twitter, if you want a spot on the show, and we'll make sure we make it happen for Thursday night during the BetCast. For Alex B. Smith and Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Wednesday night. Enjoy Game 2 of Montreal, Vegas, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow on Thursday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.